What's up, guys? Welcome to the first edition of the Gotham City Sports Report. I'll be your host, Nick Frangopoulos. Uh, just to give you guys some background on myself, I grew up a Mets, Jets, Rangers, Knicks fan. Been posting on sports forums pretty much my entire life. Um, very active on social media for those of you who follow me in the sports communities. And I decided, for whatever reason, that now was the time for me to start my own podcast. Um, this podcast is going to be centered around the sports in our local area. So that covers Jets, Mets, Rangers, Knicks, Yankees, Giants, Islanders, Nets, uh, pretty much anything in uh, the metropolitan area. So without further ado, let's uh, get into today's episode. Uh, one of the things I wanted to talk about today uh, Today's episode is going to be centered mostly around football with training camp just around the corner. Uh, obviously, the Jets starting next week, getting that uh, extra preseason game, Hall of Fame game. So I thought that would be the first topic that I'd like to handle. Um, so let's start with the Giants. Obviously, there was some news this week regarding uh, the Giants and Saquon Barkley's contract negotiations. That one's been going on for quite a bit. Uh, Reports came out this week that Saquon and the Giants are not really any closer to a contract than they were when they stopped negotiations. I believe it was sometime around midseason. And quite frankly, I can see this from both sides. Obviously, the running back position in the NFL has been devalued quite a bit over the last few years. And Saquon being a talented, talented running back. I mean, the guy is superb athlete. The problem is, the old saying is, the best ability is availability. And Barkley, quite frankly, hasn't been able to stay healthy the last few years. So, the Giants, obviously, have been hesitant to give him a long-term commitment. At least, at least really in terms of the guarantees. And, uh, if I'm correct, the most recent report was that they gave him a contract proposal for two years... Uh, somewhere around the ballpark of $23, 26000000 million. I'd probably have to double-check the numbers on that. But quite frankly, I think that's a fair deal. I think Saquon, as much as he wants to get paid longer than that and wants more guaranteed money uh, for his long-term future, has to understand that he's really only had one year out of his career where he was able to consistently stay on the field. And... Uh, while he was, you know, I, I think at a certain point an MVP candidate, um, that doesn't exactly inspire confidence that he's going to be able to stay healthy going forward. And at a position like running back, you're getting the ball more than anybody else. That includes the quarterback. Um, so it's going to be in your hands primarily throughout the course of a game. That's going to expose you to a lot of hits, expose you to a lot of action. And so far, he's proven he really can't stay healthy and that's really just the nature of the business I, I i think saquon in his camp should really be looking at this deal as something pretty fair for him given the circumstances as well as the team and two years you know at saquon's age it it is a little longer in the tooth so to speak but 
when you sit back and look at it, it's not the end of his career. He he probably will be able to negotiate something uh, after that deal is run out. And I, I think if he wants to come back to the table, even with a different proposal, there's always incentive-based, uh, performance-based uh, incentives he can throw in there. And I, I don't think the Giants would be hesitant to commit more money if that was the situation, but I think it'd be incredibly unrealistic on his part to expect them to commit to something long-term fully guaranteed when he hasn't guaranteed the ability to stay on the field. So, you know, this is obviously, like I said, training camp's about, I believe, two weeks away for the Giants. could be longer than that. But you don't want this to bleed into training camp. And if I'm Barkley, the last thing I want to do is not show up. You're looked at as a leader on that team. Daniel Jones just got paid. They're expecting him to continue his progress. And if you are what you've claimed to be, and that's a leader in that locker room and a leader for that team, you, you need to be there. I know we've heard some rumors, some whispers that he will consider not showing up to camp if he doesn't receive that long-term contract that he wants. And I could not disagree with Barkley and his camp more if they choose to do that. There's, look, it's, it's, it's the NFL. There's always a risk of injury. Um, just looking at the current proposal, uh, got it up right next to me. Um, there are some things, obviously, that are injury-based. So he's not going to see some of that money should he get hurt. But if I'm remembering correctly, at some point mid-season, they had offered him a bigger deal, and he turned it down simply because he thought, if I finish out the season strong, finish out the season healthy, you know, there's there's potential for more. And, you know, he got hurt against the Packers in in the, I think it was a London game. I was, uh, I was at a Jets game at the time. I remember watching it early in the morning. So, yeah, I believe it was a London game. And you go ahead, you, you get hurt after turning down a deal. You know, it's just unrealistic to expect that those types of conditions aren't going to be in the contract. So at the end of the day, if you're not just about securing the bag for yourself, you got to show up to camp, man. I, I, and I know it's easier said than done when you're sitting at a computer chair recording a podcast like I'm doing right now. But at the end of the day, those guys in the locker room expect you to be there. Um, your teammates expect you to be there. The negotiations don't have to stop when camp starts. You can pull the old, my hamstring is hurting me today, sit out, continue to negotiate, but be in the meetings. Be in the offensive room. Be around your new teammates. I, I think that's the very minimum of what you can do while you continue to navigate the business aspect of it. And I know there's some probably pressure from the unions especially with what we're seeing around the league with Dalvin Cook being released and the running back position, again, being devalued to where you don't want to cross the picket line, so to speak, because your situation is going to help set a precedent for running backs going forward. But there does need to be a level of commitment if you're asking for a big portion of guaranteed money um, beyond what's already been given to you. So with all that being said, 
we'll see how this one plays out. At the end of the day, I do expect Saquon to ultimately show up. The nature of his character tells me he's going to be there for mandatory training camp. Uh, we're, we're not even getting into the potential for fines should he not show up. But with that, I wanted to seg you across town to the Jets portion of the program, where the Jets were able to avoid themselves a little hard knocks Rebus 2.0 situation by locking up defensive tackle Quinnen Williams long term. He got a four-year, $96 million deal, $66 million of it guaranteed. Um, I have seen it posted somewhere, I believe it was Twitter, that there was a fifth-year team option, and that would bring the total of the deal up to $106 million. But that's something, again, I haven't seen officially be reported, so something I'd have to look into. Um, so this contract locks up Quinnen until 2027, and... You know, it's not a new deal. He wasn't a free agent. And as a Jets fan, I couldn't be more excited. I was a very big fan of Quinn and Williams when he came out of the draft from Alabama. Um, <laughs> admittedly, I wanted the Jets to draft Bosa, but um, figured he wouldn't be there. And Quinnen was more along the lines of a 1B versus a number two option for me. He was just a dominant force at Alabama, and you could see that he had all the athletic ability in the world to be an all-world defensive tackle. First few years in the league, not exactly up to snuff with what you'd expect for his uh, draft selection, but he flashed the ability. And I firmly believe that the low sack numbers were more of a product of what was around him on the defensive line versus Quinnen himself and his talent level. Last year, we finally got to see him play with some edge rush help. Carl Lawson comes back off his Achilles tendon. Uh, rookie Jermaine Johnson selected in the first round, kind of burst onto the scene with the limited snaps that he had. Bryce Huff, another guy. I was uh, pounding the table for the Jets to draft him with a late pick the year he came out and couldn't have been happier to see him get picked up as an undrafted free agent. He played phenomenal last year for New York. But with those edge guys flying around, getting after the quarterback, uh, you were able to see the Jets kick John Franklin Myers inside a little bit more. Uh, JFM signed a contract extension himself. I think it was two years ago. It's been worth every penny since. Um, another rookie, <laughs> Michael Clemens. You know, we keep talking about these names on the Jets' D-line. seems like they never stop coming at you. Able to uh, push him inside a little bit in the rotation, get him paired with Quinnen. And Williams was able to take his game to the next level. Obviously, dominant last year. Earned every single penny of that contract he just got. But one thing I really wanted to go into regarding the Quinn and Williams deal is, um, and this is, this is probably one of the most underrated aspects that isn't getting talked about enough, is that Quinnen is the first Jets draft pick to get taken care of in quite a bit of time. And I'm not talking about Nathan Shepard getting a song and a dance for one year that I don't even think he finished with the Jets. I'm talking about first-round picks, second-round picks, guys that, you know, when they're selected, you're expecting them to get second deals. Um, it's no secret that prior to Joe Douglas arriving on the scene at one Jets drive, Jets were not drafting well. <laughs> um, that's that's really, honestly, putting it lightly. And and even even the start to Joe Douglas's tenure, you know, it's uh, 
it was rough goings at first. 2020 takes Mackay Becton in the first round as a dominant first year. I think we saw the guy for about one half of football since. Um, so gotta gotta take that into consideration. You know, if Becton gets his weight down and keeps it down. I have no doubt in my mind he is a dominant left tackle in this league. Denzel Mims, second-round pick. Another guy. He, he flashed his first year in the league. It just hasn't really materialized for Mims uh, going forward. Um, then we're getting into Ja'Kai Polite. Monumental bust, given, uh, given what else was available at the time. James Morgan, LaMichael P. Ryan. You know, that's that's just the 2020 draft. 2021, a little bit better. Obviously, Zach Wilson hasn't panned out so far from New York, but I, I think we'll have to dedicate an entire episode to discuss Zach and his potential future with the team. They did trade up for Elijah Vera Tucker, who has been a jack-of-all-trades and a phenomenal player on that offensive line for them. Uh Elijah Moore, you know, talented, talented guy, but attitude reasons have him playing for the Cleveland Browns right now. And, you know, that's kind of I, – I could understand taking the swing on Zach. You needed a quarterback. You just traded Sam Darnolds and, and, and whatnot. But to, to whiff again on a second-round pick – just just things and and it's it's worse when you consider that the talent was there but outside circumstances whatever they may be issues with uh the coaching staff have elijah moore playing for another team right now and i really wanted to see him get a chance to play with aaron Rodgers. you know obviously with him coming to new york and it's a shame that we're not going to get to see that because I think Moore has a lot of untapped potential if he can keep his head on straight. Um, from there, you know, they drafted Michael Carter, two of them. Um, I'll get into uh, the running back situation a little bit later in the episode. Uh, Carter's Carter's been a good player. Um, Michael Carter the second, the cornerback, another great player. So a little bit of good, a little bit of bad from the 2021 draft. Um, and it's no secret that Joe Douglas once again improved on that and absolutely nails the 2022 NFL draft, drafting the offensive rookie of the year in Garrett Wilson, defensive rookie of the year in Ahmad Sauce Gardner. You know, there were some arguments to be made that had Brees Hall not gotten hurt, you might be looking at him as the offensive rookie of the year. Uh, very, very solid draft. Um just based off those three picks alone. Um, beyond that, you know, we'll have to wait and see on this year's 2023 NFL draft. But I, before I get distracted, I think the overarching point is that there hasn't been guys worthy of getting a second round draft. Uh, sorry, not a second round draft, like a second contract from the Jets um, in the last few years. And Quinnen was able to change that. Um, I, I think that's understated and underrated because, you know, I, I know, I know that 
Joe Douglas didn't draft Jamal Adams. But the reason why this situation factors in is because the contract dispute, the it got ugly. Um, again, putting it lightly. Yeah, you don't want to invest all those resources into a safety, especially one that doesn't generate a lot of turnovers or, you know. But it, it still doesn't send a good message to the rest of your squad that if they play well, they play up to their potential, but things with the team as a whole go south, so to speak, like they did for the Jets in 2020, that there's probably a 50-50 chance of you getting shipped off rather than getting taken care of. So I think at the end of the day, obviously Joe Douglas made the right decision with Jamal Adams. You can't say the things that Jamal did to get yourself out of New York and kind of mend that relationship. But I think simultaneously it did send somewhat of a wrong message because one of the things that Robert Sala came in and discussed when he was first hired is that there's no better honor as a coach than helping guys get paid. So to see the Jets lock up Quinn and Williams, and I'm sure we'll hear from Robert Sala on that some point this week, uh, to take care of a homegrown talent really shows a shift in culture that we've been looking for from that team. So just to wrap that part up, could not be happier for Quinn and his family. I know him and his wife just had a baby. Congratulations to them. But really good news taking care of one of your homegrown uh, Jets players. That's something we want to see more of in the coming years, hopefully, starting with the guys from the 2021 and 2022 drafts, whether that be Michael Carter II, AVT, Sauce, Brees, Garrett Wilson. So that's really going to wrap it up on the Quinn and Williams segment. Um, but staying on the Jets, one other thing I wanted to touch on is the running back situation. And primarily the rumors with Dalvin Cook being out there. Jets, obviously, rumored to be interested in them. He's kind of weighing a deal, a contract option from Miami. Not sure how serious his interest there is. But uh, I'm going to make it. I'm going to make a hot take here. Um, and depending on where you look, maybe it's not so much of a hot take, but I think the Jets really should go ahead and do this. Obviously, I spoke about Michael Carter, the running back previously, as being a successful pick from the 2021 draft, but um, they have Brees Hall coming back off an ACL injury. Bam Knight was an excellent surprise last year. They drafted uh, Izzy. I'm not going to butcher his last name. Uh, shout out to you being from Brooklyn, my boy. Homegrown there um, this year in the draft. And I think the Jets have one of the stronger running back rooms in the league. And it obviously, with Aaron Rodgers being under center, it can't hurt at all to upgrade that room. Because it just creates a bigger threat from the running game when you already know that your passing game is going to be a massive threat. The problem there is that really crowds up the running back room as it stands. Uh, so here's where I'm going to make my hot take. I like Michael Carter. Michael Carter is not in every down back. He did have somewhat of a disappointing year last year, definitely regressed a little bit from, from his rookie season. And I think if you can at least get back what you invested in him, I think you have to trade him. And and pick up Dalvin. 
ideally, you'd like to get, like I said, third round pick for him. Uh, but Carter, Carter reminds me more of a, a Leon Washington type of back. I know we're talking about a, a fan favorite there. But, but the Jets need a guy who can do it all, especially with Brees Hall being out because he's the guy that does do it all for them. A true running back one. You know, we saw Bam Knight and Carter split reps last year after Brees went down, and for a while that was working out well. Unfortunately, as the Jets proceeded to fall behind in some games, Michael Ford did also get very pass-happy. So I, I don't know if we've seen the full potential of of that combo, but even from what we did see when it was successful, it felt like that one-two punch was missing the knockout punch. Um, that's to say that the running game really took a nosedive after Brees Hall went down, and it's no surprise that the Jets' record took a nosedive when they went down, given the level of quarterback play they were getting. So, like I said, I, I think if you can get at least a third back for Michael Carter, you ship him off somewhere, you sign Dalvin Cook, and you have arguably, when Brees comes back, the best one-two punch in football with one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time under center, which is not a bad thing to have, especially when that quarterback is going to be throwing to the offensive rookie of the year in Garrett Wilson in the passing game. Obviously, even though it's a hot take, there are some concerns should the Jets decide to move that move that player. And one of those concerns is that I know for a fact that Michael Carter is a very good locker room guy. He's well-respected by his teammates. He's loved by his teammates. And ultimately, that's going to be up to the, tra- the, the coaching staff and the front office to decide if they think that the trade-off will be worth it. But that's just a little bit of food for thought there. Wanted to throw my two cents in, obviously, as we get closer to Jets training camp. I think you're probably going to see the Dalvin Cook rumors start to heat up, maybe about after the first week. I think the Jets would like to see some of the progress that Brees has made from when they last left and saw him at minicamp. Um, And then from there, they'll make a decision on whether or not to pursue Cook more heavily. So uh, I think... I think that just about covers everything that I wanted to go over in today's episode. Like I said, very football-centric. That's really where the news is going. Um, I'm, I'm hoping next episode is a little bit longer. Uh, unfortunately, in a little bit of personal news, I had foot surgery yesterday. A uh, little bit of an emergency that needed to be taken care of. Nothing too serious. So didn't want to spend too much of my day not healing and and doing what I need to do to make sure that I'm good Monday through Friday. Um, And, you know, there's not too much going on with the Knicks and the Rangers, the Nets and the Islanders, or the Nets, the Mets and the Yankees, um, you know, other than them continuing to completely crap the bed. Uh, But for, for baseball, I wanted to specifically make a full episode on those conundrums. So with that being said, that's going to wrap up today's episode. I want to thank everybody who, you know, really pushed me to do this. Uh, I, I, like I said, this is, this is a bit of, bit of a passion project for me that I've been waiting to start for a while. So to finally dip my feet in the waters uh, felt pretty good. So 
wherever you guys are listening from, I, I just want you to know that I appreciate you giving me your time. And, uh, you know, just, just see you guys in the next one. Um, I'll leave it at that. Take care.